Hello and welcome to another episode of The Old Lady Speaks on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you once again for the sixth edition of our podcast, the Fabio Grosso episode, as Chuck's got to it a couple weeks ago. We got a party of five here today, joined by Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? I am joined by Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Happy to be here, as always. I'm joined by Mr. Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hello there. And our recently haircutted fifth wheel, Hunter Sharpless. Hello, Hunter. What's good, guys? All right. We are on the cusp of games actually happened, and that's what we're going to focus on this week. Copa Italia second leg semifinal is just a few days from now on, on the 12th of June. So we figured we'd definitely focus on that this week i guess the the first question is kind of easy how much are you guys looking forward to actually watching games again rather than say hopping on youtube and trying to find highlights from 1995 it's going to be a blessing really i mean there's a lot of stuff going on right now but at the same time This is going to be one of the first real bursts of normalcy, at least for myself, since all this nonsense began in February. And, you know, it it may be insignificant, especially in the face of everything that's been going on here in the U.S. the last couple of weeks. But sport that's one of the great things about sports is that for two or three hours, you can give your body and soul to something that means relatively nothing in the long-term scheme of humanity and it'll and it's fine <laughs> it's gonna be really it's gonna be fun i'm i'm excited to finally see something that i root for because baseball is tragically fighting amongst itself and not on any sort of track to, to return but i'm i'm looking forward to this i'm i'm getting excited as we get closer yes yeah, uh pope john paul ii once said of all unimportant things in the world football is by far the most important so uh, I guess that I always thought that was the mo- the best way of putting football into perspective and really any sport in general, but definitely football. In my, in my eyes, it's, it basically feels like a new season beginning. I mean, it technically has been, what is, what, about three months, I think. So, I mean, that basically is a, a, a summer and then the preseason, well, a very short preseason. And now it kind of feels like a new season is beginning and then we'll end roughly a month and a little bit after and then we'll have preseason again and then we'll have another season <laughs> begin again so yeah very very surreal timeline and you know like you said sam it's uh it's difficult to kind of put it all into perspective given everything that's going on i think you know i forget who said it in the comments but in the previous article i think it was like a few days ago someone said that you know on one hand it feels like how can you be, how how can we be talking about or watching football given you know everything going on in the world right now but on the other hand it's that's exactly why we would want to be watching football to kind of momentarily at least get away from everything and just kind of just just escape reality and just kind of get a breath of like okay i can just I can just focus on, or I can just forget about things just momentarily and then go back to real, to the real world. So it's, uh, you know, a little bit of both. And 
well, I mean, after being disconnected from football for so long, let's uh, let's see, you know, uh, bring it on. <laughs> I have to admit, I think that I'm actually a little bit nervous. So I was trying to watch the some Bundesliga, you know, which has obviously been back a few weeks now, and I didn't really like watching it. Like without the fans, I just did not really enjoy it. I did have not sat through a full Bundesliga game, and there's not like there's not a team that I care particularly a lot about. It's fun, I think, uh, for an American watching a few of our younger nationals play. But I just really did not enjoy it. And I'm a little bit worried that even if it's Juventus, that it's just going to be a weirder out-of-body experience so that it actually may just confirm how many weird things are happening right now. So I don't know. I think I'm excited to hopefully see Dybala play and maybe a couple of other dudes. but. I am a little bit nervous that it's just going to suck without, without the fans. And it's not like Juve are, you know, no slam on Turin or anything. It's not like Juve are known for the best atmosphere of all time or anything like that. Certainly, that's a huge part of what the Bundesliga brings to the table, no matter who you're watching. But even so, I, it, it's definitely going to be weird for me still without the fans there. So for Hunter, and I guess it's going to extend to everybody as well, as you've watched the Bundesliga, what has kind of your experience been? I mean, we, we've seen Juventus play in you know, a game without any fans already this season. So it's not like we're totally void from this. But what, what kind of has, has the quote-unquote match day experience been like for you? As we've seen here in the States, you know, they're trying to pipe in some crowd noise. And, and I guess, you know, I've seen I, – I can't remember what league it is, but they might be using like FIFA to, to get some kind of stuff crowd noise or, or whatever. So I, I guess in, in the shorter terms, what, what have you kind of thought like as, as they're trying to make the, the, the at-home experience a little, a little better? Yeah, um, that was actually – I tuned into the Bayern game a little bit over the weekend just because it seemed like they were doing really sick, disgusting things, which is kind of normal for them. But, and that there they had some of the some of the noise piped in, and I actually really liked it. It's weird with knowing that it's synthetic, but I found it a lot better of an experience with some semblance of people happy when they scored rather than just literally hearing the ball, you know, clang the back of the net and all the little fastening devices clinking up against each other and stuff like that. You know, I, I thought, I thought it actually made a pretty big difference and it was better than the first couple of Bundesliga games I tried to watch when they started back on. Yeah, I think, you know, talking about what Hunter mentioned about the Bundesliga, I've, I've watched a couple of games and like Danny said, we've already had a, a Juventus game without fans and, it's still, like, I have to agree with Hunter. It does feel weird because the first time we saw Juventus without fans against Inter, it was very much of a, a novelty. There was a novelty aspect to it. I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. And I remember in the, in the article I did after the game, I mentioned I had, like, a section, an entire section of funny things I found about watching a game without fans. And it was like the, the players don't milk the fouls as much and little things like that that I found actually quite enjoyable. And I thought I would find them enjoyable again in some of the Bundesliga games, and I didn't. I think it was because, you know, when it started, we, I mean, at least from where I'm from, we didn't really take it as seriously as we probably should have. So it was kind of like, oh, is this novelty thing that's going to go off, go away in a couple of weeks? But now that it's actually having real life 
you know, consequences, impact, like it was a big deal. Watching a game without fans is just a reminder of, of you know, how far we are of really kind of like going back to anything that resembles normalcy. So, yeah, I actually did watch a game. I think it was late Red Bull Leipzig, if I remember correctly, where they had the piped in noise and they put a tarp over the seat. So you couldn't really see the empty seats. It was just like a tarp with the piped in noise. And it was, it was much better. It really did feel really good. I, I don't know if Serie A is going to do something similar when they restart, but as a whole, I think it, it works better. I agree with Hunter. And that's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, I've, we've seen, like, like you said, Sergio, we've seen one game, a really important game, and a really and a game of, of quite a bit of intensity when it comes to the fact that that was a derby d'Italia. I, I would be interested to see what Juventus would uh, would would do if they were to try to pipe in noise, or if they wanted to take the the Lazio route and like put cardboard cutouts of people who pay into the stands, or do what the Korean baseball uh, organization uh, one at least one of the teams is doing there and put the the uh, put a bunch of stuffed animals into the seats one of them has that and it's actually hilarious i think they're doing um, cartoon characters behind home plate now in some of the yeah, yeah i don't i don't think i've seen that many winnie the poos since that dude who since that dude from japan skated <laughs> in the olympics and everybody throws the winnie the poos on the ice but i i personally didn't have that much of a problem watching the intergame. Maybe that's because it was an intergame. Maybe it's because I was watching it still in the bar that I go to to watch games and was with people. There, there was an atmosphere, a local atmosphere for myself, even if there wasn't one in the stadium. It's. I'm also, you know, you guys talk about the Bundesliga. Another thing that I've really been thinking about as I've watched a little bit of the Bundesliga is that there isn't. I mean, first off, the golf in quality between certain teams is a lot more evident in Germany than I think it is in, in other places and in Italy. And the other thing is, I don't think that the Germans really gave that much of a, of a ramp up in terms of training to themselves. I think that the games are going to be a lot better because I, I just feel like the Italians have actually been training a little longer than the Germans did when they, they ramped up because the first couple of those games were just laughers. They were either huge blowouts or just unwatchable goalless draws. And, and I, I think that that really, that made the Bundesliga suffer as much as the lack of, of fan atmosphere. Yeah. And I think more than anything, you know, regardless of kind of how we feel or how everyone will feel about, the new reality of, of kind of synthetic fan noises. It is exactly that. It is the new reality for, I mean, at least I anticipate at least for a year probably because I, I read this interesting article a few weeks ago that they interviewed these stadium architects and they were just kind of describing their, their job now. And it was really fascinating because, you know, they said, I think if I quote correctly, they said something like, our entire job was uh, uh, predicated on getting people as close together as possible. And now that is completely flipped the other way around. Now we have to get people further away as possible, not necessarily as far away as possible, but you know, still now we have to get people farther away and like space people out. And that, I mean, that just completely redefines their jobs, which I thought was, you know, really interesting perspective. And just, you know, I hadn't thought of it just from like a stadium architect perspective but yeah i mean you know 
in the same way as like now all of us we go to the grocery store and we see all those you know those x's on the ground that's that marking that are all you know six feet or roughly two meters apart um saying you know please stand this far apart or you know large size of the population wearing ma- masks in public uh, i think on many public transportation places they have to you know people are mandated to have masks on as they're on it you know a few months ago that was weird <laughs> um now that's the reality you know so I think it is the same way as, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't like wearing masks, but now it's, that's just kind of, you know, this is just kind of the way things are right now. And I think in the same way as with fans not being in stadiums, you know, it's unpleasant. I don't like it. It, it does diminish the experience of football uh, for sure. But I mean, it's, it is essentially the new reality for at least, I anticipate at least one year or one season. That's certainly the safest way to go. But if you read some of what's going on in, in Italy right now, you've seen both people connected with soccer and also doctors and scientists start raising the possibility that by the time the season ends, they might be able to throw like 15 or 20 percent capacity crowds into stadiums, depending on how the Italian curve goes. I think that's a bad idea. For the record, I do not think that that is a good idea, but there are a lot of people that are, are throwing this out there and given, you know, if, if the, if, if they manage to convince the right people and the curve continues to go in Italy, the way it goes, we, that might be a thing. I hope it's not because it's going to be a really, really bad idea, but it's it's not i don't think it's out of the question that we might see a fan or two in by august when this when the season ends provided everything goes well and as we've come to know from club owners and people who make decisions in italy it's always the right decision correct you know we can always count on them for for doing the the smart and, and oh yeah thing so when it when it comes to actually on the field play we we kind of joked about it a little bit last week, but Juventus have a ma- has a manager that is well known for not rotating players, and Juventus now has a schedule that you would think some squad rotation will have to happen at the very least, so that if the Champions League ends up happening in August, your squad isn't totally burnt out by then, knowing that there's been three months without games. So. I guess for you guys on the on the Maurizio Sarri front, what are you guys kind of expecting from him in terms of rotation? Are you expecting anything at all? Or are we just expecting Cristiano Ronaldo to play every minute of every game like he pretty much has for much of his Juventus career? Well, it, it's definitely going to be very interesting to see how he, how Maurizio Sarri handles really the, the rest of the season. What I do want to mention is the latest possible lineup for the Milan game on Friday according to Corriere dello Sport, has Sami Kedira starting as in the midfield. And that made me so happy to be angry about. It was, it was really a return to normalcy, seeing Sami Kedira's <laughs> name in the starting hey, lineup. We, we, want, we want things to get back to normal. It was just immediately there we like, go. I am so pissed off at this. I, this feels good. This feels great. This feels normal. But it, it, it is kind of a joke. But at the same time, he is coming back from injury. He is at this point, kind of a sort of like a new signing. He hasn't really played a lot this year. 
he's going to come in, he's going to play. What we do know is that if this is the moment for the guys that haven't really been that used this season, this is the moment for Adrian Rabio to really kind of make an impact. This is the moment for Federico Bernardeschi to kind of fight for his place in the lineup for next season. This is the moment for, you know, actually Kedira to come in and actually do something for Danilo. For all the guys who kind of haven't really made a huge impact, they're going to have to play because you cannot... There, there's going to be times when you're playing three, three games a week. You cannot, as much as we say that Sari maybe is not the, the coach that enjoys doing rotations all that much, he's going to be forced into doing them. I just don't think you can, you know, use the same lineup all the time with so many games coming up, especially with injuries already piling up, muscle injuries. Like I think Gonzalo and Wayne. There's a report that he had a muscle injury in training. So you're, you're already one guy down for the first couple of weeks of the season. That's going to keep happening. It's only natural after such a long layoff. So it's going to be interesting. I think this, as a whole, probably good for Juve, right? With one of the deepest squads in, the, in, the, in Italy, it's probably going to be good for them because they have a lot of guys to throw around if Sarri decides to do so, which I think he will out of necessity, if nothing else. I mean, like like Sergio said, he's going to have to rotate, frankly. I mean, there's just, there's no way around it. You know, a game every, what, two to three days. I mean, you just don't have a choice in that case. Plus, I mean, fitness-wise, it's just a very strange, situ- strange situation because, like I said, okay, they've had essentially three months off, which is, you know, I mean, that's more than a regular off-season. So, okay, you've had an extended off-season, during, during which, I mean, players, I think from what I heard, players were able to, you know, have their home gyms and stuff and still kind of, you know, do some workout. But, you know, I, I don't know how much that was possible. I don't know how uniform that was. I don't know if, you know, certain players had a full part of their house as a gym or if some people just had their basement. I don't know. So, you know, there's that kind of lack of, likely lack of uniformity in the amount of activity that they were able to do during the during the shutdown and then well now they're all coming back they they've not really had a preseason i mean what the group training only just started very recently so little preseason there little actual competitive preseason uh, you know with like friendlies and stuff either and then now you're suddenly starting a season that you have three games a week you know or something like that, two to three games a week. So it's just a very, just fitness-wise, it's completely all over the place. And yeah, Sari, I mean, he's not going to have a choice. He's going to have to rotate. Although I do expect him in the first three games or so to stick to the kind of tried and trusted uh, members of the squad. So, you know, I expect, indeed, Kadia, Matuidi and stuff to be starters for the first you know, two to three games and just kind of stick to the usual recipe, at least in the beginning. And I think slowly but surely he's going to rotate. And, you know, let's not forget another thing as well. Substitutions, the new substitutions rule, which, I mean, was pretty expected. But now, you know, they're three from three substitutes to five. So, you know, almost doubling the amount of substitutions you can do. I mean, I think that really plays to the types of coaches that like or that are stronger in in-game management than, you know, those that aren't and especially to the types of coaches that yeah kind of like to tinker in game rather than between games so you know that should be interesting as well to see the impact of the increased number of substitutes this would have been paradise for massimiliano allegri 
to just like throw a bunch of different dudes and like six different formations into one game and see what stuck after halftime. A lot of people talk about Saudi's lack of rotation. I think he's certainly done it more than he ever did at Napoli or Chelsea this year already. Part of that I think has to do with the, the age of certain players in the squad, but Allegri didn't really rotate that much in the last year or two of his tenure either. But like I like like you guys said, this is this is gonna this is gonna be necessity. We're gonna be seeing we could end up seeing a one unit and a two unit, you know, for certain games. I'm really intrigued by the, how much of Daniele Rugani we're gonna see because Mary Demeral has been started to train late now with the ACL injury, but I think he'll probably still get eased back in. Rugani it would be very interesting to see if he does well. They're not, he's not staying this year. That's the end of the line. But it might, rate, it might bump his price up a tiny bit, not very much, considering the financial realities of, of what the transfer market's going to be this fall. But to, to see those spare parts, guys like uh, Sergio Yusuf Bernadeschi, guys like Rugani, it's going to be really interesting to see what Marilyn Pjanic does, to see what, how he finishes this year now that it's so obvious that he's been, you know, he's been a good loyal soldier, but it doesn't look like he's in the plans now. It'll be really, really interesting to see what, what those guys do, how much we see those guys, and whether we see them from the start in a bunch of games or if Sadi uses the five sub thing as kind of the minute management of, of certain, for certain players. You know, say you go out against, against a, a low, lower table team, you know, by chance you blitz him four nil. Just pull Ronaldo at halftime, and you've got extra subs that you can use later if it need if you need to. Something like that. We might see that, but it's going to be really interesting to see. But like I like you guys said, there's going to be squad rotation because there's going to have to be in this kind of weird new reality. I was just as you were speaking, Sam. I was just looking up some information, and I was just counting the number of players that Sari has used this season so far. So. I'm counting here 24 players that he has used at least once that I have at least, you know, 10 minutes of game time this season. And if you, well, <laughs> if you subtract from that, Mar- Marco Piazza, uh, who played a grand total of 15 minutes uh, <laughs> this season, <laughs> then, <laughs> then you have, <laughs> bless his heart, man. I, honestly, I really feel for him. Lesson. But if you subtract him, then you have 23 players that have at least played 100 minutes this season for, for Juventus. So uh, just kind of an interesting, interesting data point there. And, you know, the least, the person with the least minutes, unsurprisingly, is Giorgio Chiellini, who has played 156 minutes. So, you know, subtract those two and then you have, yeah, 22 players that have at least, you know, well, let's see a few, like what, 200 minutes of play. It, it is, it's also, I think it'd be interesting, especially if injuries start to start to become an issue, what the under 23 team might have to say about this squad and whether or not they may end up being forced into making, into playing serious minutes. Yeah, I don't know. That was actually one of one of our Twitter questions this week is how could the under 23 and possibly Primavera squad play into it? I mean, I, I don't know. I know they're at least the under 23 team is back training again and we've seen some of their some of their players training with the first team so I mean that might be just out of precaution rather than hey they're in in the plans of Mauricio Sabi but 
I would think knowing what the schedule like and knowing how possible injuries are, it could be at least partially all hands on deck. And, you know, just to have some of the under 23 top players around and at least fit in terms of training goes as a precaution. And, but, they, and they won't have anything else to do because said yeah. C is, is done for the year. Yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, suddenly we're seeing four, four goalkeepers show up in training. We're seeing some of the players we saw towards the end of last season who haven't been sent out on loan to lower level teams in, in training photos. So we know that they're there and we know that they're participating in training with the first team. So at least, you know, they're, they're, they're planning for, potentially a worst case scenario. But I, I, I think from my end, well, it is more out of safety than, than anything else. I mean, it, you know, when you're, when you're getting under 23 team players, it's probably because there are some, some injury hits all throughout the roster, not just say players being rested one week and knowing what the, the title race is going to be, unless a serious injury crisis happens, we're, I, I, I doubt that any, under 23 players are going to be at least making any serious runs of playing time. But speaking of players, we'll, we'll go into a little bit of a, of a preview for the upcoming Copa Italia game. I guess who knows what, what the level of play is going to be like, even though they have been training for a few weeks now. But I guess which players are you guys really kind of looking at? I mean, I, I know kind of after cruising around the internet before hitting record today that, you know, you saw some quotes from Dybala saying he's still not 100% fitness-wise, after battling coronavirus for so long. You know, what, what players are you guys most interested in seeing? And I guess what, you know, out of kind of the non-Ronaldo division, what which players do you feel like will be the most important for Juventus, not only against Milan a few days from now, but just kind of going forward these these first few weeks as, as play resume? I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but for me, it's still the midfield. I think between between this speculation on the transfer market and just this team's historical performance. I, I got to just keep watching the midfield and what we're doing there. Sam mentioned, you know, Pjanic maybe being uh, a guy. There's been a lot of obvious talk with Barcelona and him. But now since, you know, the squad is playing games when the transfer market would be happening, like these two things are almost simultaneous. I, I don't imagine that Miralem is going to play against Milan and then hop on a plane to, to Spain. But, but still, you know, these, at least the discussions have got to be simultaneous. And that's pretty crazy. You know, if, if things do get really serious, and this is just speculation on my part, but if, if things do get really serious between Juve and Barcelona and they reach some sort of deal, like how does that affect Pjanic? How does it affect Sari playing Pjanic? And then how does that affect the rest of the squad? Like we said, and, um, and this is kind of an obvious but important point, like Juve's depth is, is so much, is so superior to anybody else in the league right now. But I think there's just, there's weird stuff in the midfield. If I'm completely honest, I'm kind of depressed because I feel like Beppe is just really kicking our butts right now. I mean, everything that you're seeing, you know, if you, if you have your ear to the ground is that enter you know, there, there's, I, I know this is just transfer stuff, but, you know, there's word that maybe Zaniolo may be heading back to Milan for, with Inter. There's word that, um, you know, they may also be getting Tonali, that he is kind of favoring Inter right now. And 
it's just I'm depressed, guys. I'm depressed about the midfield because it's still not very good. I'm not looking forward to being more annoyed by it like I was for the last the last year. I'm confused that the Hunters doubt at the midfield, especially with Kavita coming back. I think that's going to be huge. I think that's really going to solve all of the problems immediately. But I am very interested, just to harp on, on a little bit about what he said about the midfield. I'm very interested in seeing Bentancourt and how he plays after his uh, really kind of like sterling play in the last game Juventus had against Inter. He came in kind of like in that defensive midfielder, Regista type of position instead of Marilyn Pjanic. And he really played really, really well. He He was probably one of the better players in that game, pivotal game that kind of really killed Inter's hopes for the, for the league, knock on wood. And, you know, I, I'm really interested to see if he continues to perform like that. The, you know, the rumored lineup have him starting at that position again. Uh, there seems to be from inside the club a lot of faith in him being the guy to kind of take Pjanic's spot after he's gone, if he's gone. But, you know, I think just the fact that Pjanic's name is in all sorts of rumors has a lot to do with the fact that I think Bentancur has gained the, the trust of both Sarri and the, the board in general. So I'm really excited to see if he can continue his development, if he can continue to play at the level he, he has shown he can perform at. Because if he can do that, that I think that opens a whole bunch of possibilities for, for the Juventus lineup as far as the rest of the season is concerned, you know, you, if he can solidify that spot, you can play around with uh, Pjanic playing a little bit more ahead. You can play around with Ramsey. You can play around with uh, Rabiot, with, with Kavira. You know, not great names. They haven't really performed up to the expectations, but you have a lot of kind of pieces to play around with. So I'm really excited to see if he can, if he can be that guy for the reminder of the season. I I'm hopeful that he can, but it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, so I'll go for a kind of, so one player specifically and then another kind of a category of players. So I'll start with the last one. I'm mostly going to be looking at the injury-prone players <laughs> for Juventus because I more mean, really Kadir, just... More Kadira talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I mean, really, for just for one pretty obvious reason, which I... I talked about just a few minutes ago, just on how, just because of how strange fitness wise, how strange the situation is now, you know, it's like three months off. Okay. How much have uh, players really been able to exercise, especially the players that, you know, to mention had coronavirus. That's also a big, you know, point. I mean, Rugani, Matuidi and Dybala. And I think those were the only three that had coronavirus. So, you know, especially those, those players, I mean, it's, you know, it's a respiratory disease. So yeah, it's going to, definitely affect your stamina so yeah so for that pretty obvious reason of just a really strange fitness situation we have now yeah definitely going to be looking at the injury prone players because you know situations like these means that you're going to be more prone for muscle injuries especially you know the hamstring strains and just the you know pull, yeah just pulled muscles and all that so you know i'm looking at you uh Kadia, uh, ramsey costa you know looking at all you guys there and you know ramsey specifically also because he's been quite under the microscope since since arriving last or well this season for you know good reasons and bad reasons and i mean mostly just because of his pretty high salary but yeah so him specifically just there 
out of you know the injury prone players and then the one player one other player i guess to for me to look at is you know hunter uh, touched on this in his uh in his article i think a few days ago which is matthias de Ligt. i mean i think Omar. Really, just looking at him um, <laughs> because. <laughs> so I also just got to say his name just to show off how well I pronounce it. So. Yeah, you just want to put me in my place again, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, the licht really just because well, Chiellini is fit now. So you know, again, as I said from Hunter's article, Sari now has three. I mean, obviously four, but well, well, yeah, yeah, four really good center backs that are now fit. You know, Rugani, Bonucci, Chiellini, and the Licht, and Demiral making his recovery, of course, as well. So that's quite the conundrum there. And I mean, it's a luxurious problem to have, of course, but um, still, you know, you have Bonucci, who has obviously been excellent this season. The Licht, who has been pretty solid as well recently from, you know, before the, the lockdown. And of course, Chiellini, who is still just, you know, the undisputed leader in the entire team, if not, you know, the defense so who do you go for or you know something that's very unlikely but i mean still possible is you know do you make a formation switch which again i mean i highly highly doubt he would do that but yeah i mean i think that is the pro that is the person uh matthias de Ligt, who you know i will be most curious about slash most watching because I mean, I don't think, given his form, I don't think Bonucci will be dropped at all, really. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be an interesting time at the center of, uh, of defense over the next few weeks slash months. You talked about Ramsey. I'm really intrigued by what he might end up doing, because if he stays healthy, which is a huge if when it comes to Aaron Ramsey, he started looking a lot more comfortable in that Metzala-type role box to box than he ever did when he was used as, as a trequartista early in the year. He made, made a couple of interviews saying that he really enjoyed that role and he'd been playing better. He was one of the best players on the field against Inter in the last game before the shutdown from that position. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this midfield shuffle with Bentancourt playing Regista, Ramsey playing as, a, as the Metzala on the right side, whether that ends up being... Uh, at least temporary, at least a momentary solution to, to how that midfield is supposed to be made up because we really haven't had that all year. And the other, mm-hmm. and in, on the micro level, when it comes to the specific game on Friday, whichever one gets picked between Mattia De Chilio and Danilo, I'm looking at for a very specific reason, which is that Teo Hernandez is one of the three Milan players that was suspended for this leg of the of the semifinal in the first leg. Teo Hernandez got him, you know, got a yellow card and then mouthed off to the ref and immediately got a second yellow. He's out. Ibrahimovic got yellow carded in the first leg for elbowing Matthias Delict and ended up getting a put over the yellow card limit, although he's injured now anyway, so that wouldn't have mattered. And also Samu Castillejo was put over the, the, the suspension limit. So they're going to be missing a lot of guys, but Hernandez specifically, he's one of the better left backs in Serie A, if not really the world when he's really in full, full bore. And the drop down from him to the rest of Milan's fullback core is quite broad. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Juve attacks on that side of the field. If you put Douglas Costa in there, good God, all bets are off for for them but 
it's going to be really interesting to see that fullback matchup and who and who gets put on that wing for that game in particular because one of their best players is not going to be playing. And I guess we'll we'll start our our Twitter questions kind of going off of that from Bachi Sabi. A simple question this week: uh, Who who's the first player to score on June twelfth, and what minute do you think it'll be? Danilo in the first minute, obviously for me. Repeat of the Napoli game, first touch in. That's, That's right. Uh, just, just come, coming, just all guns blaze, just showing everybody why he's the best right back in the world. I think it's going to be really sloppy early. I don't think we're going to see a goal until the later first half, if not the second half. I am going to say, I'm going to go with Aaron Ramsey on a run down the channel in about 42. We also have to mention the the first leg was atrocious. Like it was a really bad, bad game. So it was I can't bad. Imagine that so after, bad after a long layoff we're gonna have like a heck of a game like it's gonna be like i cannot imagine this is gonna be good i'll i'll probably go i'll, I'll go chalk which that means ronaldo gets a pk and he buries it somewhere around whenever it pisses off milan fans more so that could be really early or really late but I, I would say that's what's going to happen because I can't imagine, as, as excited as I am to watch new Juventus football, I can't imagine it's going to be a good game, right? I mean, it's probably going to be pretty bad. But, yeah, that, that would be my answer if I had to say something. Man, I do not want to watch Ronaldo knock in a penalty. <laughs> You've seen enough of that already? I've seen enough. I just – if that's the first goal that we get after – three million months of quarantine that I'm going to be severely disappointed. If Ronaldo scores, do you think the shirt comes off? It's been a while since he's exposed the abs and that kind of is his source. The source of his power is when people see the abs. Man, it'd be, it'd be kind of lame to do it in a Copa semi against Milan with like nine dudes suspended and no fans. <laughs> and, and no crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, unless he's got a million cutouts of, I don't know. His wife or something? I don't think he uh, takes his shirt off. Oh, the withering scorn of Hunter. <laughs> That's what I can do. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll uh, give my answer. Hell, I don't know. Uh, like Tim Vickery likes to say, um, I always like to give my predictions after the event, uh, not before. But yeah, you know what? I'm going to go for someone in the midfield, given, I don't know, some kind of poetic justice to that. Thinking like Bentancur, and uh, for sure it's going to be in the second half because I mean it's like you guys said it's I doubt it's going to be champagne football. Put it on uh, minute sixty. All right, next Twitter question from uh, Justin Soforio: Can we at least get one damn Italian, and I assume that means Italian national team player in this transfer cycle? So Sandro Tonali, Zaniolo, Castrovilli, any of them? I mean, any of them would be lovely, but. You you heard you heard it there, Mister uh, Mister Fabio Paratici. We're we're demanding Italian players again. Yeah, I mean it's hard. I mean, you know, Tonali is going to cost you know an arm and a leg. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, and supposedly he's not interested in Juventus. So I, I don't know who. Yeah, Zaniola. I, I mean, I really don't know. Um, yeah, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna cop out on this one. <laughs> I, I think on on those three dudes. We go over three. I don't think we're adding Tonali, Zaniolo, or Castrovelli. I, the, first of all, Fiorentina doesn't really like us. There, there's no way they're going to sell another kid to us. Zaniolo, 
I, I think that it's either, I think that Roma really don't want to sell him unless they absolutely have to. That's kind of obvious, but still, and, and everything from Tonali for, for the most part has been enter or a step ahead of Juve or uh, he just prefers, he just prefers enter over Juve. So I think with those three guys we miss, but I don't know. Yeah, there are not too many Italians on the squad, and I know that makes some people upset. Uh, I actually think that Zaniolo is the um, is the guy if we were to get a younger Italian, because I think Roma is going to have to sell their latest their latest sale bid has fallen through again, and I have a feeling that that the they, reports didn't they just didn't they just post record losses too? Yeah, I have a feeling there's a fire sale coming at Roma. Uh, I think that that a lot of the reports that we're seeing that Palata is going to keep the team, sell a lot of guys and start trying to build through his youth academy is probably correct. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bernardeschi to Jorginho uh, and Jorginho swap doesn't happen. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see a Bernardeschi-Zaniolo swap. That seems like that seems like it might be beneficial to both players. But I th- I think Zaniolo would be the guy out of those three and I think I don't think Nicola Zaniolo is going to be on Roma next season because I really think that there's a fire sale coming there all right Sam we mentioned it before recording there was a Twitter question directed exclusively at you oh boy (laughs) and Honestly, a lot of these Twitter questions have been stuff we've kind of just naturally come up in conversation this week, so props to you guys. But all right, Sam El Calcio, how are you a Philadelphian, New Yorker, and Jersey boy all mixed into one? All right, so I am a New Yorker. That is what I am. I was born and raised in Manhattan. I was born in St. Vincent's Hospital, which isn't a hospital anymore. It's condos now. Somebody lives in the room I was born in, which is a mind screw. The the Philadelphia bit, which I talked about last week as a, as a, as a Phillies fan, a fan of Philadelphia sports in general, my father was born in Philly. And if you know American sports and you know Philadelphia fans, you know that if you are the son of a Philadelphia sports fan, you really have no choice. And so, uh, yeah, I was indoctrinated at a young age. The first thing I ever learned how to spell was my own name. The second thing I ever learned how to spell, Mickey Morandini, second baseman on the Phillies in the early 90s. So that's, that's where the Philadelphia comes from. The Jersey, I currently live in Jersey City with my wife, who is a born and raised Jersey girl. You know, I, I throw open my mouth a little bit every, every, every day when I wake up and realize that I'm in New Jersey again. But it, it, it's convenient and... And I'm currently having things thrown at me, and uh, <laughs> it, it's it's a it's it's a good situation. And I'm also and I am a subway ride under the Hudson River to New York. I can actually get to Midtown from here quicker than I could when I lived in Washington Heights back in the day. So I'm very very still very very close to New York. I am a New Yorker with a Philadelphia sports soul. That's how it goes. I like how your wife gets to listen to the episode even before we release it. That's that's pretty pretty good yeah that's that's new york real estate for you very very <laughs> it, it, it's a lot like the genie in aladdin fantastic cosmic power <laughs> itty bitty living space yeah that's some uh inside baseball here to uh hopefully add a appropriate uh, metaphor 
There you go. The, the baseball fan Chuck's making baseball reference. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's all Chinese to me, really, frankly. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll wrap things up on this Twitter question from at Juventus Nation. Your, pre, your preview and predictions for the second leg against Milan. I guess just final score. I mean, it's going to be a dire, dire affair. <laughs> I can already I can see it coming. It's going to be an appalling affair. But, I mean, you know, in typical fashion, uh, Juventus will find somehow to get through. And I believe I'll give it a 1-0 for Juventus. Uh, some scrappy goal by, uh, who did I say was going to score? Uh, ben Tancur in like the 60th minute. I'm actually going to... I don't think it's going to be a particularly watchable game. It's not going to be quality, but I do think that it's not going to be particularly close either. This is the kind of game after such a huge layoff that individual quality and team quality is going to come out. And when it comes to that, Juve is way, way higher. I think it's going to be really ugly. I think the games are, the goals are going to be scored mostly late. I'm going to say 2-0, maybe even 3-0 to Juve, just because with Milan missing a lot of their top guys and just not being as talented a team in general, I think that quality is going to end up showing by the end, given how, how awful the, the first few games are probably going to be from a, from a, technic, from a technical standpoint. I'm going to say uh, 2-1 Juve. I think that we take care of business, but do something extraordinarily stupid at the back and let a goal happen. Uh, and and if, we lo- if we win two to one and they're both Ronaldo PK, PKs, I'm going to uh, get myself a Leicester City jersey and jump over there. <laughs> You're just asking for trouble, man. <laughs> let the record show. Let the record show. Hey, Lester, Lester's got a, Lester's got some nice guys. They go to my bar in New York. It it is a is actually a really good squad, and they've put that thing together really well after they won the tie. This is derailing our Milan predictions, obviously, but it is a pretty interesting club with uh, with a nice set of players and good fans too. This is all a preview of Hunter talking himself into rooting for another team, right in the, in the middle of a Juventus <laughs> podcast. Special <laughs> episode. This, this is breaking news. Yeah, I'll, I agree kind of with all of you. I think yeah, 2-1, two, 2-0, two two something like that. It's going to be boring. It's going to be bad. I'm going to love every second of it because it's the first of Juventus live football we've had in what feels like years. So I'm going, to, I'm going to be glued to the TV and I'm going to bitch about it afterwards, but I'm going to be super happy watching it. So, yeah, that's, that's my prediction. As, and as it's 2020, yeah, probably a couple PKs. That, that's how the goal is getting scored. And you'll be wearing a Raul Jimenez jersey, right, Sergio? Yes, that's coming, definitely. <laughs> He's going into the customized jersey thing on JSTOR as we speak. That's right. New number nine, Raul Jimenez. Unoccupied at the moment, so why not? <laughs> all right. Thank you all again for your Twitter questions. I think this was the most we've gotten out of the six weeks we've been doing this so thank you all for sending something along as always you can subscribe rate listen on itunes and apple podcasts you can also subscribe to us on spotify and google podcasts so let me go around the horn here for sam for hunter for sergio and for our old buddy chucks this is danny saying uh, stay safe especially in these interesting times and we'll talk to you guys hey after games happen next week Woo!